Hello and welcome to Watering Seats, podcast conversation that reviews and reapplies the preached word to our minds and hearts and to those of our listeners. Watering Seats is a podcast ministry of Covenant Reformed Presbyterian Church here in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina. On this podcast, we discuss recent sermons from our pulpits and how to understand and apply them to our hearts later that same week. Today, we'll be discussing our recent sermon on Genesis chapter 14, entitled Our Warfare. To hear this sermon, go to our website, covenantreform.net, and click on the Sermons tab and give it a listen. My name is Sean McCann. I'm one of the pastors at Covenant Reformed. I'm here with my fellow pastor and preacher of Sunday's sermon, the Reverend Chris Brown. Welcome, Chris. Hello. Uh, it's good to have the benefits of technology and join you from afar. Listen oh, yeah. to the sermon. So uh, wonderful to be able to do that. But you weren't you weren't joining moment of like in the at the time of. No, I was not. You were doing your own thing. I apologize. I was worshiping it. A little church called Covenant Short Hills in New Jersey on Sunday morning. And then I preached that evening at an installation service for one of my former interns mm. uh, on uh, Sunday night. So, yeah, it was a good time uh, to be away. It's a good time to worship uh, with the saints in different places. They're still worshiping in New Jersey, despite the probably heightened challenges they faced up there compared mm. to us. Uh, but they continue to press on. They worshiped outside last summer, and they have a little yard just like we did. Hmm. So, yeah, it was good to see uh, friends and family. I brought, uh, sadly, they are UNC Tar Heel basketball fans, so mm. I had to re- rebuke them publicly <laughs> and bring greetings from the true Duke fans ah. of the great state of North Carolina, uh, which I think most of the congregation appreciated. Good. Yeah. good. <laughs> I'm sure they did. <laughs> For y'all who don't follow it, every most... Uh, North Carolina residents, or many more North Carolina residents, are UNC fans than Duke fans. But Duke, as a university, recruits lots of Yankees from the North. Mm. And so the northern part of our country, especially New York, New Jersey, is big Duke country, (laughs) oddly enough. So anyway, I appreciated your sermon on spiritual warfare. Last time I left, you preached on spiritual warfare. Is that right? (laughs) I don't remember. Well, you referenced in your sermon the... Ephesians passage yeah. on spiritual warfare. Was that the last time? Was that the last time you were out of town? I don't. Probably not. But one of the last times you preached. Yeah, I did. I have. We did. We preached on. Was that Ephesians six? Yeah. Uh, spiritual armor. Yeah. I preached at least one on that. Yeah. You Sorry. definitely preached at least one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you got this text, long passage. Uh, Kings going back and forth. You referenced a video game. I'd be curious how many people in our congregation knew what video game you were talking about. Super Smash Brothers. Come on. It's funny. Even that video game dates me because that's what like the freshman played when I was a senior in college. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. It was that silly young kids game. Well, now it's been around how many years, Sean? How many, how many, uh... The principle is there's a whole lot of characters beating each other up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that's it's the beginning. Lots of different characters. That's the beginning of our text. Before we get into it, uh, you started with the premise that the warfare of this text sets us up for spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, as you studied and prayed about how to approach this passage, uh, what led you there? Uh, you didn't really show us the back room. I mean, you showed us yeah. how these principles apply. But as you're reading an Old Testament text, you can kind of take it in a couple di- different directions. Mm-hmm. What compelled you in your study to use this 
as a helpful pa- paradigm. Is that the yeah. right word? Maybe yeah, for yeah. our spiritual battles. Yeah. The, the question is, what's the intention of the author in giving this to us? And is, is this supposed to be merely a narrative that you just, oh, he did it and that's it? Is it supposed to be uh, simply he's like Christ or not like Christ? Is it supposed to be be like him or don't be like him? And in what way? So potentially someone could look at this and say, hey, this means that I should go fight with people mm-hmm. and pick up a sword and go mm-hmm. you know, fight them. Um, I do think it provides grounds for self-defense mm-hmm. in general, physical self-defense, but I don't think that's the main point of the passage. So that's kind of the, the mm-hmm. context is yeah. it can give you some other stuff, but what's the main purpose yeah. here? And it's yeah. about how to, do, how to live the Christian life. So what justifies the switch from Old Testament passages where it seems to be push your enemy to death with the sword? Mm. That's an overgeneralization. Yeah. And New Testament passages that are don't do that. In right. fact, do the exact opposite. Love your enemies. Mm. What's, what, why the change? Or is there even a change? Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's not really that much of a change. It, if anything, it's it's the same thing with a different emphasis. So okay. it's under the Old Covenant. And even now, this isn't even, this is pre-Old Covenant. This is part of the Abrahamic Covenant, I guess. People. You mean Old Covenant people? Old Covenant people. This yeah, isn't Israel, Israelites. this theocratic nation state. Right. This is before that. Um, and... Even then, there's grounds for self-defense. There's grounds for physical war to, to rescue someone who's been injured uh, or un, unjustly treated. And at the same time, the principle that we should love our neighbors, and that includes people who don't like us, mm-hmm. still applies. So that comes along later in Deuteronomy. Uh, he still says love your neighbors, um, love your neighbor as yourself, comes from Deuteronomy. So that principle is held at the same time as the idea of justice. Um, It's just in the new covenant, Jesus is correcting a misapplication, I think, of those principles. Which is what? Which is, um, I'm supposed to do eye for eye, tooth for a tooth. That means I can withhold any sort of love or compassion to somebody who's wronged me or slighted me. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, no, that's not the case. That's not the purpose behind mm-hmm. those sorts of laws. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know okay. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's good. So Lot finds himself in a pickle. Uh, Abram goes and recruits some helpers, essentially goes and saves him, right? So uh, your main idea under that first heading was seek the lost, mm. uh, in the sense, sort of. It, Lot is lost, mm-hmm. and Abram shows this godly character in seeking him out, mm-hmm. right? Um, you have three helpful points of application. Question before we get there. Um, I've experienced a bit of a tension as people think through as regular, regular Christians, <laughs> uh, not missionaries or mm. pastors, think through their role and responsibility and seeking the lost. And maybe I'll, again, give an overgeneralized uh, contrast between one group that would say it's every Christian's job 
to individually make disciples of the nations. So go, 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 seek, mm. seek, seek. Mm -hmm. Your life is on mission to tell as many people as possible about Jesus. Mm. That's one side. The other side would probably quote from the first Peter verse that says, be prepared mm. to give a defense of the hope that is within you. Mm -hmm. And so you don't actually seek anybody. Mm. You just faithfully live your life and pray that somebody asks you about it. So they ask you about it, you're prepared to give a hope. Hmm. Have you heard kind of both sides of that contrast? Uh, is there a biblical way our people should be thinking about how to use their time and priorities and things like that? Yeah. You can help us from this text. Sure. Um, I mean, it's definitely springboarding off the text. I don't, I don't think it gets too specific for like, <laughs> this provides an evangelistic method or anything, but... I think just the principle of seeking mm -hmm. someone and wanting to rescue them. Mm -hmm. it, physically, it's one thing, but spiritually, it's another thing. Mm -hmm. And that that's, you know, what does it matter if you gain the whole world, but you forfeit your soul? Mm -hmm. So that matters the most. However, like you've just said, there's pe there are people who basically say, if you're not evangelizing like every waking minute of the day, then you're sinning. You're failing to do your duty as a Christian. And I would disagree with that approach. And then the other approach you pointed out was a more passive approach, which is just wait uh, until someone asks asks you. And I would say that's also not appropriate. Um, although it depends on the context in which you're living, uh, that 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 actually might be an important thing to do uh, if you're in a nation that it's illegal to evangelize. So I'm not saying you have to do it that way, but um, anyway, uh, but in general, it's sort of a balance between those two where you are supposed to be prepared. So you're actually like preparing your mind, mm -hmm. um, praying for someone and taking moments and times to speak to them in appropriate ways. So that's the hard part is mm -hmm. when it when should I speak to this person mm -hmm. and uh, in what way? Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, so, yeah. What what are your thoughts on no. that? Well, I, yeah, I think there's a little bit... I think you're right to identify context. I would also say um, identify your own gifting. Right. What are areas that you are gifted in? Mm -hmm. uh, I do think your position matters if you're an elder or a deacon. Mm. Um, I think there's many ways to be involved in the Great Commission that is not the, spear, the tip of the spear, mm. right? Evangelizing. But... I, I would want to, Christians to be guarded against unnecessary guilt, right? Just right. this constant sense of guilt mm. that I'm not doing enough. Um, but I would also want to guard on the other sense against just a, an utter complacency. Mm. So um, I think there is a level of, I, I think it just needs to be factored into our decisions and our priorities, a level of intentionality, right? Yeah. In our relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the next question I have for you is seek the lost is a very broad term. I mean, there's a lot of lost people yes. out there. Yes. Are there any people or categories sort of you have in mind when, when you're speaking our, in your sermon about who to seek? So for Abram, it's his nephew, right? right. It makes sense why he goes to save Lot, mm -hmm. right? He's, he has a family bond with him. Mm -hmm. right? Is there any, any carryover or thought on that yeah. topic? Yeah, obviously that's the case for your family. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, I mean, it starts sort of inward and works outward. Mm-hmm. You care the most for your family, and then you work your way out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the people right next to you, and then the people further down the street, mm-hmm. and you know that mm-hmm. proximity is important. Mm-hmm. Um, where you've been placed is important. Like you are saying about our personal gifting, there's also a reason where we're, we've ended up living where we, we're living. Mm-hmm. We've ended up doing the jobs we're doing. The Lord's put you there for some reason. Mm-hmm. So those are the people you're supposed to talk to. Okay, so relationships that you sort of have passively. Yeah. You look out your window and yeah. you see your neighbors, your coworkers, yes. kids, friends, parents at school, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Okay. Unless you're like really wanting to do street preaching uh-huh. and tract handouts, uh-huh. then the method you're going to use is just your life. Mm-hmm. What, what God has put around you. Okay, so that wasn't particularly what you were going at about seeking the lost. Yeah, I just meant the people you know. The, the pe- people you know. Uh, so you already know them, but you're seeking to do them spiritual good mm-hmm. in your relationships with yeah. them, which is gospel evangelism. Or you need to get to know them. Mm-hmm. Somebody you could get to know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it meet, it is random people you mm-hmm. just meet. Mm-hmm. Um, but Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, you had three sub-applications to that. Mm. Uh, love. So pray for God to give you love mm. for... Um, you said the loss, but it sounds like both categorically, but also individually. So you might say, there's this neighbor that's driving me crazy <laughs> because the X, Y, or Z. But yeah. God, would you, I pray that you would give me a Christ-like, compassionate love for them. Yeah. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Trust. Why did you bring that one up? Uh, because, I mean, Abram's example is that he just went out and did it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, that takes some level of trust that the Lord's going to do what's right. Uh, and I, I think that provides kind of a template mm-hmm. for what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Lord, I think I compared it to Esther, mm-hmm. right? If uh, you know, if I die, I die. <laughs> but I'm gonna. But the Lord will do what's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's not just like a devil may care, just throw it out. But yeah. like that's like I'm trusting that God's yeah. gonna do what's right. Yeah. Here. Yeah. And in spiritual warfare, that's a major thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, what might, what might it look like in spiritual warfare to not trust or to be? That's kind of like second point too yeah. is courageous. Courage, yeah. I mean, you talk about courage mm-hmm. not being the absence of fear, but courage facing your fear. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So as you think about spiritual warfare, and particularly here, you're applying it to evangelism. Mm. What is it? What does it look like in your life, in our lives, to not have that trust and courage? Yeah, I, I mentioned the three things that. Satan does to kind of attack in spiritual warfare. It's to accuse, to tempt, and to afflict. And trust counters those Mm -hmm. things. So when you're accused of sin, you trust in Christ's righteousness. And if you don't, then you're weighed down by guilt, Mm -hmm. and it makes you ineffective. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then tempted... Tempted, he does that so that we'll become guilty. Um, and also, I've, I mean, I've heard stories of actually missionaries who've gone on the field and who have had uh, witch doctors come up to them and say, I know what you did. The, the, the spirits have told me what you did. And they've told them what they did. Mm-hmm. And then the missionary said, okay, we're going to go home now. Um, they were tempted and they fell mm-hmm. and they became ineffective. Mm-hmm. Because they they lost their witness to mm-hmm. the power of Christ to change their life. Now that's pretty dramatic, right? But uh, that is one example of yeah. 
of why we need to fight yeah. when we're tempted. Uh, the last one was affliction. They want us to question God's goodness. And if we're doing that, we're not very effective in mm-hmm. telling others how good God is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so yeah. trust is sort of the thing yeah. that strengthens you okay. underneath all of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think a lot of our people probably need to be courageous over a fear, a fear of man. Mm-hmm. And so man fearing, I think, is one of the number one obstacles in America, 21st century evangelism. Yes. There's definitely, uh, I think there'll be more and more ramifications in our neighborhoods and schools and workplaces to our Christian witness. Mm. Uh, but it seems like it's still the fear of what man, not even, not, not even necessarily will do to me, but it will just think about me. Yeah. Right. You might lose a neighbor friend or something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Or even that, they might still be there, but they'd think you're a fool mm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, having courage and seeking the lost uh, is a helpful, helpful uh, challenge. All right, your second one is to give. I think it was give glory to God, right? That's right. Uh, so how did Abram give glory to God in this section? Well, particularly he tithed. <laughs> Abram's role was to to give by tithing, to honor God by tithing. Uh-huh. Uh, but then there's also Melchizedek mm-hmm. honoring God as mm-hmm. well. So those were the two kind of the two people who honored yeah. God at the end of this warfare yeah so honor is more particular maybe subset of glorifying god yeah 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 so how does tithing glorify god hmm for abram yeah i i said it's like the spoils of war that everything belongs to god Mm -hmm. and it's saying you deserve Mm -hmm. to receive back Mm -hmm. to yourself Mm -hmm. tangibly Mm -hmm. a portion of what you've given to me so that that displays the worth of God. The worth of God. You you deserve this. Yeah. At the very least. Yeah. Because I wonder if we sort of have this idea of glory as all about like things we say or success or praise we do in life. But it comes down to me making a sacrifice of mm. my time or my riches. Yeah. Because you really are saying that God is worth it. I mean, to, yeah. to make the parallel to our time and, you know, the Lord's day is setting apart a day when I could be doing something else. Yeah. For the Lord, because He's worth it. He's worth the time. Yeah. He's worth the money. And it's, it's and it's all His time. And if even if no one else sees it, right? He knows. Right. It's like the widow's might. Yeah. He he knows the heart. Mm-hmm. He knows what someone is giving mm-hmm. to Him out mm-hmm. of their care to show Him that they they love mm-hmm. Him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, one of my best friends just turned forty, and he had some guys. We got together, went to the beach for a couple of days, and went fishing, and. Uh, my wife encouraged me to go. You know, it's you know, as a parent, it's not easy to get away for a couple nights, and so you set everything up and you set aside the time, and you you know, you, you set aside some money to make it all happen. And I know he felt honored hmm. by that that his friends would do go kind of that extra effort hmm. sort of to set him apart. You know, hmm. right in a sense as their uh, as their friend and a valuable friend. And so something as simple as tithing. If even if nobody knows, or hopefully nobody knows, yeah. right? That's yeah. not why we're doing it. Yeah. Uh, is the setting part of of God in our hearts? And I think you used the phrase it glorifies God. Oh no, this was the second point you you brought up the idea that us giving to God glorifies Him, but it also glorifies Him when we receive from Him. Yes, right, just to receive His. That's right. 
blessings. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's the other him. way. Yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. One. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty big. Yeah, because this could be a lot of doing. You know, go do that. This, yeah. go do that. Yeah. But I thought that was pretty incredible to think about. That yeah. um, after this war, and you know, he's probably exhausted. Yeah. He is encouraged by receiving. Yeah. God's blessing. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Let's talk about this idea. Giving is spiritual warfare. Hmm. What does that mean? Yeah, it's at least part of sp- spiritual warfare. Yeah. Um, I compared it, I talked about it in terms of like what God is like and what Satan is like and that God is a giving God. And part of our battle is that we want to be like him. We wish to be conformed to the likeness of Christ who gave himself. Though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, that we and him might become rich. So we want to be like him and give of ourselves, uh, of our gifts, of our time, of our money. And that's a battle because Satan wants to detract from that and make us like himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's part of the, yeah. the yeah. war. Yeah. Uh, so last month we had some serious car trouble and mm. had to make some big payments. Mm. So then I get my paycheck and I'm sitting down. And it's time for me to make out my Your time. giving. Check. <laughs> no. That's a time. I mean, I'm serious. That's yeah. a time of spiritual warfare. Why? Yeah. yeah. I don't quite know how this month's going to balance after that right. credit card charge. Right. It'd be a whole lot easier for me just to. I don't just give half this month. Hmm. I'll make it up next month. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not above those thoughts, right? <laughs> and those thoughts still come. I, I would uh, gracious or generously assume that even amongst our most holy members, mm. there's still those thoughts. Maybe mm. not, uh, but. For me, that is, you know, a, a slight aspect of spiritual warfare, right? Does that sort of fit in the category you're yeah. talking about? Yeah, and I, I did try to make that bigger than just the tithe. Sure, because, sure. Because it's sort of like our day-to-day self-denial, which is I'm sacrificing myself for the sake of yeah. giving to someone right. else. Um, that should be, tithing should fit into that yeah. picture. Yeah. Um, that That's part of the spiritual war. Yeah. Uh, it's giving our whole selves, which includes our money. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Did you like my plug to tithing? Have you heard many plugs to tithing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. Okay. I made you do it while okay. I was away. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. <laughs> you go away. I'll talk about tithing. Don't worry. Yeah, it's funny. That, I mean, you mentioned this idea that tithing... Uh, I, I know people I love that have a very skeptical view of the tithe. Yes. And it's just... The huckster Sometimes preachers, un- understandably, trying, trying to get their money. Yeah, right. Because yeah. of that, sadly true. Yeah, um, yeah. Let's talk about this odd, I think, character in Scripture, yes. Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. What well, has anybody had less of a moment in the Bible, but had it been more <laughs> theologically significant? Right. Like, homie appears for like three verses, mm-hmm. and he <laughs> he doesn't right. do anything. That's right. And then, like you say, he's mentioned in Psalm 110. Mm-hmm. He's got like a chapter practically about him in Hebrews. That's right. Uh, it has caused some to wonder, is there something more going on in Genesis 14 than just somebody that shows up? Yeah. He's got a name that seems significant, uh-huh. but he's got no genealogy. He, ta- he receives and then he leaves. Like, Yeah, yeah he's a king he, and a priest. Yeah, which, God most high. Right. El, very El significant. Uh, he's the God. He's the Canaanite. The name of the Canaanite God is El Elyon, God most high. So he's priest, king, and 
receives a tithe from the worshiper of Yahweh. So what's going on there? Right. Yeah. What is you, going on? You want me to? Okay, yeah, well, what I is going on there? I, I, Take my, us behind the curtain a little bit. Well, some people have argued this is called a Christophany, um, that it's an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. I don't agree with that view. I didn't really talk about it in the sermon. I just told them what I thought, right. uh, which is that the author of Hebrews says he's like the Son of Man. Mm-hmm. He's like the Son of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went through the different theologians who have argued he's a type of Christ, not Christ himself. Calvin says it, Chrysostom says it, Cyprian says it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, pretty, the three C's. <laughs> I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> uh, he's, he's a type of Christ, uh, a symbol, a shadow, a figure of Christ to come. It's odd because we know so very little about him. Right. It seems almost as if he could be a fictional creature. Right. Given these very few descriptions mm-hmm. so that he easily points us to Christ. Right. That's not really the case. Right. It's it's sort of like he arrives on the scene purposefully. He's not just some random person. He God purposefully ordains this event to occur and includes it in Scripture for the sake of his people's knowledge of what Christ is going to be like. He's greater than Abram. He's the king and the priest. He receives the tithes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's... He, God does what he does purposefully in history. Mm-hmm. And he, he tells us things that are significant for a reason. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, he tells the lesson that we learned from Melchizedek, were there not inspired scripture to tell it to us, would right. seem possibly almost fanciful. Right. Right? Yeah. Like just because there's a lot of other people we don't know where they came from or when they died. Right. That doesn't make them Christ figures. That's right. But the author of Hebrews tells us how to interpret mm-hmm. Melchizedek. And one of the big ideas, and you can correct me if I'm, uh, if I'm getting this mistaken mm-hmm. in my memory, is mm-hmm. that uh, he is particularly not in the Levitical priesthood. The, yes. priest, the, the family of tribe of Levi, where all the priests came from. And Hebrews tells us that Jesus is in the order of Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. So he is of a different type of priesthood yeah. than the Levitical priest. And mm-hmm. part of the importance to that is to show us how different the work of the Levite, the regular priest, point us to Christ. But Christ is higher better priest than they are and part of it is because this is other theology but his sacrifice is once for all and it is you know perfectly atoning and all this Mm. stuff Mm -hmm. but there's this seed for this and this guy that shows up and disappears in genesis 14 yeah well and he the author of hebrews is saying the levitical priest he's trying to explain why these shadows have faded and passed away that the levitical priesthood isn't around anymore for a reason and he he goes back and he says look before levi even existed when he was in abraham's loins that's how he puts it uh he tithed to melchizedek through abram that's how the author of hebrews says yeah yeah so he's saying that that priestly lineage through levi was important it did certain things that the lord purposefully created it isn't like it isn't like the dispensational view that they shouldn't have accepted the Mosaic Covenant, and they shouldn't have established right. the Levitical priesthood, and all of that right. was unnecessary. No, it was important. It was God's plan and purpose, but it was just a shadow. There's a, a bigger, more important mm-hmm. priest, and mm-hmm. Melchizedek was like a, a picture of what, mm-hmm. what that other priest was like. Mm-hmm. He was saying it happened back then, mm-hmm. and King David prophesied that it would happen again mm-hmm. in Psalm 110. Yeah, yeah, great. I feel like part of these podcasts were sort of exploring 
Old Testament interpretation, yeah, right? How, and how they fit together. How they yeah. fit together. Yeah, and yeah. it's, uh, you hear sometimes just the most fanciful mm. interpretations of Scripture. Right. This allegorical stuff. One of them is this coming week where uh, Abram cuts the, the animals in half and spreads them out. Yeah. And then he drives away these birds of prey that are coming down to eat the carcasses. And There's that an allegorical. It can mean also, yeah, yeah okay. all sorts of things. There are um, some interesting ones from this week on chapter fourteen too that I just you know but you, didn't you, include. You know that <laughs> phrase like "truth is stranger than fiction." Yeah, like this the stuff the Bible actually says about Melchizedek is right. fascinating. Why don't we just focus on right that <laughs> and how it shows us the glory of Christ? Mm-hmm. So I, I think at the end of the day, like this should encourage our members that like we're not these like learned scholars that are finding meanings hidden in hidden things hidden num- numerology we're just reading what the text tells us mm-hmm. what's there but then always trying to interpret the old with the new right and i mean i do it every week like this week studying genesis 15 i made a list what are all the verses in the new testament hmm. that refer back to genesis 15 hmm. because that's how i need to be thinking about it hmm. Or at least I need to be bringing those into my sermon process. Is that called the rule of faith? That's often called the rule of faith. That, or is it? Oh man, I'm forgetting the term. But that scripture interprets scripture. That yeah, the best way to to think about frameworks yeah. for passages is to hold the old and the new yeah. together and think about how they explain yeah. each other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, last point, keep nothing from the world. Mm. Um, I, I saw where you went on this one. Mm. I need some help figuring out how you got there. So tell me, <laughs> yeah. walk us through that last point real quick. It was yeah. a good point. I'm not, I wasn't objecting yeah, yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, the king Just, of Sodom is saying, here, take, take all this stuff. Uh-huh. And he's sort of telling Abram, I'm, I'm your benefactor. I'm... Trying to get in Abram's good favor, um, sort of saying I can do something for you and make you an important person here, and give you a place in the land. And Abram resists, like bribery, um, kind of. And I, I, I quoted from um, Chrysostom again. He said, "I have on my side the supplier of countless goods. I enjoy m- much favor from on high. I have no need of wealth from you." So it's this guy. Would it have been sinful for him to receive this wealth? Um, I mean, probably not. It might have been unwise. Because it would have indebted him. It would have indebted him to this man. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, and I think Meredith Klein said that he's kind... The king of Sodom is kind of Satan-like, like deceptive here, hmm. in that he's insinuating that he's Abram's lord, and he can, hmm. he can kind of be the one to give Abram what he needs even though abram has a promise for an inheritance in the land right um, so right okay sort of usurping the role of god mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. now if abram had said sure i'll take it like yeah it might have been fine yeah but the danger is with association uh-huh. with this man okay so. okay and you equated it to the satanic offering of the world to christ and the yes. temptation that was yeah. the right part of the sermon yeah. right mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that equates to us in what way? Well, I ended it with discussion of wealth, 
primary. Yeah, primary. Yeah, yeah. It's not just wealth, but when people talk the things of the things of earth, mm-hmm. you know that that song, the things of earth will grow strangely dim mm-hmm. um, in the light of His glory and grace. The things of earth isn't like the good stuff of mm-hmm. earth that we're supposed to enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's the, the over desire for uh, power and possessions and greed mm-hmm. in this life. Um, rather than a future inheritance mm-hmm. that is to come. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself is yet another battlefield of spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. So I said it's like a battle after the battle. <laughs> he goes out and fights, and yeah. then he has to duke it out with the king of Sodom and yeah. resist what could be unwise or damaging hmm. to him. Um, so he says no, and he makes a vow. And at this point in your application, we're not as connected to evangelism. No. That's a, just, that's a separate... I did say fear of warfare evangelistic because he's like he says the lord is better than you here Mm -hmm. he says he says it to him he says uh where where'd that go um he said i've i've lifted my hand to the lord yahweh god most high possessor of heaven and earth he's saying he owns everything you don't so i he's sort of evangelistic Mm -hmm. in the sense that Mm -hmm. he's at least saying that's not your place. Like uh-huh. that's not your role uh-huh. is to give me the stuff. Yeah, God's, yeah, God's in charge of the stuff. So, do you would you say this is probably most applicable to the idols of our heart? Yeah. Are there are you or do, did you have any concrete examples in mind of when I we're, just ended it with wealth? As for, yeah, I mean, you talked about kind of ungodly gain. Our like if motives, we're offered a sketchy opportunity. Yeah, it's our motives behind amassing wealth and how we amass mm-hmm. wealth because mm-hmm. that that's kind of the practical example here is mm-hmm. he's being he's already somewhat wealthy mm-hmm. uh, apparently abram abram yeah and now he's being offered even more wealth and he resists it yeah um, yeah so you know I'm, I'm i've used this quote a couple of times in a sermon and i got mm-hmm. it from another pastor uh and the the question is how much money is enough hmm Right, like, and the answer is the same for everyone. Yeah, just a little just bit a little more. Bit more. <laughs> just a little bit more. Yeah, and it's true. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, I have been, you know, my I've had different size paychecks in my life, right? Mm-hmm. And, but there's always this idea that oh yeah, just a, a little bit more. If I could just get a little bit more. It's funny how spending expands as income expands. Yeah, for everybody, yes. right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It was unreal being up in New Jersey and being in our friend's house mm. that. Uh, was wonderful for their family, but it was half the size of ours and probably twice as much. I mean, just mm-hmm. insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were sort of testifying to like, that was something we had to overcome, like to minister here, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. we are giving so much more money towards, well, the government for one, <laughs> in taxes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but also towards their mortgage uh, than you know, they'd like to. And so that, maybe that's an example of a spiritual warfare and they're in ministry. So they could have said, you know, it's just not worth it for us. Hmm. We need to go minister in a lower expense place. Now, some people have to make that call. Hmm. I'm not faulting that. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to think about in our, in our lives as people, as we're trying to balance these things out where we're tempted, Hmm. where we face spiritual warfare when it comes to wealth. I don't know. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah. I just ended it on kind of on contentment. Uh, the, Right, it's kind of the yeah. wherever we're at, it's it, our aim should be contentment. Uh, we're to have nothing yet view ourselves as possessing everything, and uh, if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Yeah, 
says Paul. Uh, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. But that's sort of the the aim here is contentment yeah. with what the Lord has given. Yeah. Great. That's my ending. Great. What about you? Any other thoughts yeah. from you? You know, maybe this relates a little bit to last week, but I think uh, priorities. Hmm. And I, I saw a discussion on social media the other day between somebody advocating for taking a Sabbath. It was a very basic, wasn't really even a Christian view, just the, the health of one in seven day hmm. of rest. And somebody replying with them and the, and the person saying, well, they're all about the grind, right? Like they're all about, you know, soaking up every opportunity, second, third jobs. Some people need to do that, mm-hmm. right? Um, but I mean, I, I read that thinking, well, what, you know, what's the, what are the other costs that go along with it? Right. So as we face maybe employment opportunities, as we have questions over um, two income or one income homes, expenses for uh, children activities if mm-hmm. we're members are thinking about retirement plans or once we're in retirement you know how do we spend it's i think it's it's just a helpful thing to recognize about ourselves that we're always going to face some level of spiritual warfare mm-hmm. when it comes to our wealth mm-hmm. when it comes to our contentment no matter how much we have or how little we have i've known people that have very little and their hearts idolize wealth more than yes. rich people I know, yes. if that makes sense. It's the same heart, whether or not yeah. you have the opportunity to yeah. obtain the things you desire. Exactly. So I think uh, we're sort of you know down a rabbit trail that doesn't well, exactly come from this passage, but it, yeah. it points us in this direction. Yeah, well, and I thought the main way to counter it is to end on the generosity of God. Um, that That's how we're supposed to be thinking about God is... We fight against this by considering his generosity. Yeah. That he is such a gracious, kind God who has generously poured out salvation in Christ and granted us eternal life. And that's the way to com- combat against uh, selfishness and hmm. discontentment. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay. It was a wonderful sermon. Uh, it helped us see, you know, as I made that comment a couple weeks ago, we've got. Passages that are in red for Abram, passages that are in green. This is a green passage as we learn from his um, uh, good illustration of how to fight spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always appreciate the emphasis on the the generosity of God uh, and that coming through. So we're going to have another good week with Abram, hmm. and then we're going to go. It's going to get real bad in Genesis <laughs> 16. So we brace ourselves for that. Yeah. Um, I'm just realizing this. Hmm. We may be about to take a pause on our podcast recordings. Oh, yeah. For two, uh, what, two weeks? You will be on vacation next week. Yeah. Semi-vacation. Work slash vacation. Uh, yeah. You're, you're <laughs> going on vacation, but you're doing a wedding at the end of the week. That's right. So that's on your mind. Yes, I get distressed about it. All, <laughs> all week as I prepare. Yeah. Next time you got your vacation week after the wedding. Yeah. yeah, I'll get back in town and be like, I need another vacation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Why is that always happening? I need a vacation for my vacation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will be out the following week uh, with um, a week of vacation. So we may be on a little mini break unless mm-hmm. we find some gaps in our schedule to do a podcast. But let's pull something together. Uh, I would anticipate not you not hearing from us via podcast for a couple weeks. Go ahead. 
So uh, I hope y'all have found this podcast helpful. It'll tide you over for a couple weeks till we uh, bring the next one. I'm able to do a review podcast when we get back together. Uh, I hope you all are able to hear the sermons. I hope you feel free to submit questions big and small. Uh, We don't get as many as we'd like, but we'd love to hear from you. So feel free to shoot us any questions from the messages office at uh, covenantformed.net. Or or get online at anchor.fm. Oh, yeah. Go to our church, Covenant Reformed Presbyterian Church. We need to do some... Send in a voice message. We need to do some giveaways. That's what we need to do. (laughs) We need to give some stuff away. Have a good voice message. All right. We'll start brainstorming that. book or something. Yeah. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Anyway, uh, hope uh, yeah. Submit your questions. Uh, enjoy the beginning of summer. Uh, join with us in rejoicing in the Christ of Genesis. Until we see you next on the podcast. Grace be with you all. <laughs>